Illinois lawmakers are finally done with their fall veto session. A new congressional district map will soon head to Governor J.B. Pritzker's desk, along with a number of bills you may or may not have heard about already. We'll try to unwrap all that just happened on this edition of CapitalCast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock and I'm here again with our State House Bureau Chief, Jerry Nowicki. As I mentioned earlier, the big news out of the veto session was a new set of congressional district maps. It's almost hard to describe what this thing looks like. Uh, I think as expected, the two districts in southern Illinois were combined into one because that's where the most dramatic population loss occurred. That puts incumbent Mary Miller and Mike Boast in the same district with each other. Darren LaHood and Adam Kinzinger were thrown into the same district. East St. Louis, Springfield, Decatur, and Champaign are all in one district that's about 170 miles long and a little wider than a four-lane highway. Rockford and Bloomington are in a single district. And the Chicago area has been carved up into about 10 districts, including one new largely Latino district. Representatives Sean Caston, Marie Newman, and Chewy Garcia have been narrowed down from three districts to two. Jerry, what do we know so far about who's running and who's not running and what the fallout from this is going to be? Yeah, I think we... Uh, saw recently that uh, Newman announced she would challenge Caston in Caston's district, even though she was moved out of it into, she shares a district where she lives with uh, Garcia, but uh, you don't have to live in the district to run in it. Um, That's right. The U.S. Constitution only requires that you be a resident of the state from which you're elected. Yeah, that's true. Um, So we might see some of that. I don't know that we've seen a statement from Miller yet as to what she's going to consider. Um, But uh, the other interesting piece here is uh, what Representative Rodney Davis is going to do. He was built into his own solidly Republican district downstate. Yeah, but he has said, depending on what his district looked like, he may consider running for governor. And since the bill's passage, he says he'll announce his decision when the governor signs it. So, you know, it's it's an interesting play um, whether Davis will run for governor or not or what not. But uh, the other lawmaker who said he will not run is Rep. Adam Kinzinger, who is a frequent critic of President Trump and has sort of alienated himself from some of the Republican base in that regard, even though he voted with Trump, I think something along the lines of 90% of the time. So he was put into a district with Darren LaHood, who's a popular incumbent um, from the Peoria area, and Kinzinger said he will not run again. Uh, He hinted at some bigger plans. I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're statewide Illinois. I don't know if he tries to run for president. That's not a prediction by any means. That's just, I'm just saying I don't know what he's going to do. We should note that Adam Kinzinger was one of, I believe, only 10 Republicans in the House who voted to impeach President Trump. He is one of only two Republicans in the House now serving on the select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Uh, So he's kind of built up a fan base among even some 
moderate or centrist Democrats and independents, uh, could that put him in a position to make a, a statewide run, do you think? Yeah, I don't know, because while it has done that, um, there are a lot of Republicans who simply don't like him for breaking the Ronald Reagan 11th commandment of do not criticize a fellow Republican. So I, I, it's hard for me to predict what Kinzinger will decide to do. Okay. Um, meanwhile, in addition to the maps, a uh, number of high-profile pieces of legislation got through, including one that repeals the Parental Notice of Abortion Act. It was one of the last remaining abortion restrictions in Illinois. And it comes at the same time the U.S. Supreme Court is hearing challenges to Texas's near ban on abortion. So, Jerry, uh, do you think they were just kind of making a statement about Texas and about how Illinois is a progressive state and it's going to go the opposite direction? I think that was certainly part of it, but the ACLU of Illinois and other advocacy groups have sort of been pushing for this uh, for quite some time. I think since we began here, since Pritzker took office, uh, there's been some rumblings that it could be heard, I think, week in and week out, essentially, when they're in session. There was always the rumors of, oh, maybe we'll hear PNA repeal. So uh, it, it's around long before uh, the Texas stuff has been going on. And um, the advocates for it say, you know, sometimes you're – uh, requiring an abused person to notify their abuser. Family members can be the ones who are abusing a minor um, that would lead to a pregnancy. And, you know, the, the opponents argued, you know, there are judicial bypasses. You could go to a judge um, and uh, or put it in writing that you've been abused and you wouldn't have to notify your parents. But um, And this law applied to anybody age 17 or younger, uh, you couldn't receive an abortion without giving a parent or adult family member uh, 48 hours notice. A yeah, the physician had to notify the uh, parent um, 48 hours prior. So uh, the GOP, the main GOP and faith leader complaint was that, you know, this is a uh, the, the, that a parent has a right to know what's going on with their child. Um, but, you know, the counter to that was, I think um, that 99% of the time a child is going to share this with their parent if they're contemplating such a decision. Um, you're just, they're just trying to target this at uh, the children who are most at risk um, in these situations. Okay, and closely related to that, um, there was also a change in what's known as the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. Uh, and a lot of states passed these laws in the wake of Roe versus Wade. Uh, it was intended, as I understand it, uh, to protect doctors and pharmacists for being sued for refusing to perform abortions or prescribe birth control pills or the morning after pill. But now it's being it has been used recently uh, for a whole other purpose, which is to get out of COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Talk to us a little bit about what they did here. Yeah, so the the important thing there is it's not just the vaccine mandates, but it's been used uh, in circumstances to just not get tested because the other, the other side of the coin for the vaccine mandates is you don't have to get them, at least the one the governor signed, you don't have to get these vaccine mandates if you 
uh, are tested weekly or whatever it is, sometimes more than that if there's positive tests around. So um, there, people have used this to say, I don't want to get tested, and that's covered in the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. And as, as it's broadly interpreted, yeah, it, it was covered uh, per these judges' determinations. So it, it, what I found interesting about the bill that was passed is it specifically wrote the disease COVID-19 into the law now. So it says uh, in, before this law, that before this measure that passed last week, it said um, you can, uh, can't, uh, an employer can't discriminate against uh, an employee for them essentially uh, following their conscience to not receive medical care. So this says, but adds a sentence essentially that says to enforce COVID-19 mandates, uh, this act does not apply. So now there's a specific disease written into that law, which which I found interesting. I, I'm, I'm surprised I couldn't find a different way to word it. Um, or, but a more it was, general ways. So right. That, uh, so this if there's ever a COVID 2022. Right. <laughs> well, it does say all of the variants, yeah. but um, the, the attorney general um, was one of the people that really pushed for this along with the governor. So he's just got to sign it. Okay. And the governor has issued a vaccine mandate for a large group of state employees. The city of Chicago has imposed vaccine mandates and other mitigation efforts. And these things are getting challenged in court. Do we know how, how the judges have been ruling in this? I'd say it certainly depends on the judge in most cases, and there's been some wins, there's been some losses, but um, with the wording of the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act as as it is worded now, as Senate President Don Harmon called it, poorly worded and broadly worded, um, it's now tightened up to say that you can't really invo invoke that uh, regarding this pandemic, but also there are still the federal religious exemptions you can seek uh, to stuff like that. Uh, the vaccine mandates and whatnot um, that this law would not affect. Uh, the other thing important to note, it wouldn't take effect until June 1 next year. Okay, and that's because it didn't get a three-fifths majority? Yeah, enough Democrats peeled their support to where um, basically the Illinois Constitution stated that uh, it, if it's something's passed after May 31st, it, it can't take effect till next year. Okay, and one of the other bills that got through maybe got less attention than the others. It may soon be legal uh, if Governor Pritzker signs the bill to bet on Illinois college teams, uh, in-state sports betting, which was specifically carved out when they passed the first sports betting bill uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, but you can now bet on Illinois teams. Um, are there any particular restrictions that go along with that? Yeah, so once the governor signs it, it's assumed he'll sign it. Um, the restriction is that it'd have to be a Tier 1 wager, which means it could only be at the start of the game, and it could only be about the game's outcome. So, for example, a player cannot – there can't be player props to where if, uh, I say, the, the lines makers say, oh, over under 25 points, it'd be easy for a player to take the under and, and uh, sort of – 
just throw the game in that regard. But no, that can't happen here because you can only bet on the outcome of the game. And it was uh, Illinois Athletic Director, University of Illinois Athletic Director Josh Whitman, who was really tried to slow that down and water it down as much as possible. So as of now, it's a two-year pilot program that would be repealed in 2023 unless lawmakers extend it. Okay, and one of the other things that you've been following uh, has to do with the Unemployment Trust Fund. This got severely depleted during a recession that followed the COVID-19 pandemic. So now it's severely in the red. Uh, What did lawmakers do about that? They didn't do anything about that at this time. Um, With the way Illinois lawmakers write the state law is that at certain intervals, they lower the amount of benefits a person can claim and increase the insurance rates for employers. But uh, that would have taken effect January 1, independent of the pandemic. That's just the way the law was written. Uh, So they put that off six months. Uh, It'll be mid-next year. And the thought is that they start talking about how to pare down that roughly $5 billion deficit in the trust fund. Uh, and, And that could include use of some federal American Rescue Plan Act or other federal funds that have been received. Okay, and finally, uh, we actually saw a schedule or a calendar for the 2022 session, which starts in January. This was kind of interesting. I guess they're planning on a pretty abbreviated session next year. Uh, Do you know what the thinking was behind that? Yeah, well, that was pretty obviously the fact that we have a June primary next year um, due to the pushing back of the election with the COVID-19 pandemic and having to redraw legislative maps and whatnot. So lawmakers don't necessarily want to take that controversial vote on May 31st and then do their primary, uh, whatever it is, 10 days or two weeks later. I I forget the exact date, but... um, that's yeah that's be away from the capital uh i think we're probably going to see a fairly uncontroversial legislative session after after some major votes and that might have been why we saw some of the major stuff that we did with the pna uh repeal uh because they don't want to do it next year so close to the primaries now we've covered sessions before and it seems like it takes right up until the end of may uh to get a budget through Uh, This calendar has them adjourning in April, I believe. Do we think they can actually get a budget accomplished in that short amount of time? Yeah, April April 8th would be the scheduled adjournment. I'd assume they can get a budget done because really it's it's more of a – this they're just working at the deadline there's nothing special about may 31st other than it's the deadline but if they can't uh there's nothing stopping them from going further into may because the constitutional threshold threshold that we talked about earlier requiring three-fifths majorities that doesn't uh take effect till may 31st okay well we're going to leave it at that for this week's edition of capital cast Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a statehouse reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation with significant funding from the Robert McCormick Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock with Jerry Nowicki saying stay safe and thank you for listening.